0: Hi, I'm Melissa.
1: And I'm Mike, and we are Destination Mystery.
0: Destination Mystery paints the story for paranormal content, abnormal adventures, and the fun behind the investigations.
1: We believe the paranormal is all around us. Each week, we'll take you to a new destination where will try and solve the mystery. This is not the same old ghost story you've heard before. We will not only tell the spooky story, we'll go to the remote location to investigate for ourselves.
0: Fasten your seatbelts and put on your helmet as we take you on a new adventure that will leave you questioning what you've always thought about the paranormal.
2: are listening to Mystery Media
1: Group. Yay! This is an introduction from Michael Freeman. From his, This is about his dad. Paul Freeman was an American Bigfoot hunter who claimed to have discovered Bigfoot tracks showing dermal ridges, which are fingerprints. The plaster casts Freeman subsequently made were convincing enough to be considered critical pieces of evidence by anthropologist Jeff Meldrum of Idaho State University and Grover Krantz of Washington State University. Put considerable time and resources into studying them. On June 10, 1982, Freeman sighted a Bigfoot near Walla Walla, Washington, which he described as being nearly eight feet tall and covered in reddish brown body hair. In 1994, Freeman captured a Bigfoot on videotape near the Blue Mountain regions of northeastern Oregon. Michael Freeman took his dad's research and turned it into a book. His hope is that someday his dad gets the recognition he so rightfully deserves. The database in this book has been collected and catalogued, not just by Paul Freeman, but all known evidence. What many don't know is that Paul had a network of researchers and years of research documented. It wasn't just one really cool video. His father's evidence was well documented, as you can see in this book. As many Bigfoot researchers would conclude, Paul Freeman was the best Sasquatch tracker of all time.
0: Thanks for joining us tonight, Michael. The first thing I wanted to ask was, why did you decide to write this book?
2: You know, I decided to write the book uh, first and foremost because I felt like it needed to be done. I felt like my father deserved it and that it was overdue. And, you know, I felt like I was really the only person that was going to do it, maybe the only person that actually could do it. And I had a few people in my ear, kind of mention it to me here and there over the last like ten years, and it just kind of ate away at me. And honestly, the more I was around the Bigfoot community, and the more I heard some negative things about my dad, the the more it ate at me that I, I needed to write.
0: And the book is pretty amazing. It's called The Bigfoot Files, and it is loaded with pictures, evidence, field reports. The QR codes. Tell us about the QR codes and, and why you decided to put those in.
2: Um, well, actually, that was Doug Hitchek's idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, when the book came around and I, I talked to Doug Highcheck, and he agreed to help me do the book. Initially, I was going to take my father's audio recordings that he did in private you know, of his story. I was going to transcribe them as written chapters in the book. And Doug Hycheck said, oh, no, no, Michael, you know I have the technology to do this. You know, let's put his voice in there and let's let everybody hear him talk. And I am so glad that he had that idea. And we got to do that because it's my favorite part of the book.
0: Isn't mine too. To me? Really fun to be able to hear your dad's voice talking about it. Much more enjoyable, I think, than reading a transcript.
2: Yeah. I would agree. It's much more enjoyable, um, you know, and I did all the audio editing. You know, for that, I didn't want to send the tapes to Hangar One Publishing. Right. So I had to sit and listen to my dad talk over and over and over about all these things. And um, aside from hearing his voice say, oh, there he goes in, you know, his footage, um, I hadn't heard him speak since he died in 2003. And so it was emotional for me to do that. It was probably the hardest part was to to do that. Um, second hardest part, I guess, probably was was to write the ending of it. But um you know, and I wrote the ending, uh, my sister, Linda, passed away last June, uh, June fifth, in a motorcycle accident, and she was ill. And it was the next day, actually, well, the next night, it was about two a m, and I, I just couldn't sleep, and I was laying there, and my boys were all asleep. my wife was work, and she's a nurse. And uh, I couldn't sleep, and I couldn't sleep, and it just hit me, and I got up and I wrote the into the book, and short and sweet, you know, it's not long but um that was emotional as well you know it it wasn't an easy process it, it was it was hard for me
0: yeah i can imagine sorry to hear that That's not anything anybody wants to go through for sure
2: uh, no it's not uh, and she, my my sister was killed on my youngest boy's birthday
0: oh man
2: so I, I have a double anniversary i guess for
0: yeah. some happy times and some sad <laughs> all together call you know That's but terrible You know, uh, on page 19 of your book, you mentioned how generous your father was and that he would give anybody the shirt off his back if they needed it. So tell us just a little bit more about your father's character.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when I was growing up, my dad was Superman to me. And
0: you named the chapter Superman, correct?
2: I named the chapter my very own Superman because, you know, that's how I viewed him. Um, And I always just thought that he was... all in bulletproof and he was invincible and there was always these great stories about him and growing up he was just this person that you were in love, you know. But my dad was, you know, he was he was hardworking and he was honest. And I don't think what most people realize is is how actually iced my father was because he was very large, you know, he was six foot five, two hundred and 180 pounds, you know, later in life. He was very intimidating, um, you know, to be around and he had this big deep voice. Uh-huh. And he spoke his mind. You know, he didn't mess around with that. He told you what Those he thought. Those my
0: kind of people, honestly.
2: You know, but he was very, very kind. And yeah, he was, was very great. loving. And he was very good to his friends and his family. And he was very generous. And even today, Thomas Steenberg, you know, who is a detractor of my father's evidence, who, who doesn't believe it's real. First thing he will tell you about my dad is how nice he was. And if the world was full of people like my dad, it'd be a better place. You yeah. know, and, and that says a lot right there for someone yeah. who isn't a fan of, of like his, you know, his evidence. And uh, we don't see eye to eye on that. But the utmost respect to Mr. Speaker, you know, for keeping that attitude and always saying that. I, I really do appreciate it. Exactly. And and I let him know that, you know, as well. But um, yeah, you know, my dad used to go to the elementary schools and give presentations on things. He Are you serious? he used to help kids with presentations.
3: How funny.
2: Um, And I believe there's a picture in my book of him and yep. uh, um, a student, you know, Jenny Fisher, that he helped with the presentation. And my dad was well known for giving things away, you know, yeah. uh, casts and photos and even a hair sample and stuff like that here and there. And as a matter of fact, we don't have all the casts that were ever taken Can't yeah. find some of them. And it's because he gave them away to somebody. Um, and so we don't know where they are. They're sitting in someone's garage someplace. Um I don't and even actually know what, they have,
0: what they're sitting on.
2: Just this past summer, Cliff at the North American Bigfoot Center was contacted by a woman who donated a cast there that my dad gave her. Um, and it's a cast from 1987 and it's a cast from of Wrinklefoot. Um, and no oh, one has ever seen, seen it. About
0: wrinkle foot.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no one no one's ever seen the cast. I'd never seen it, Cliff had never seen it, Jeff Meldrum's never seen it. Um, and so we just, just last year, got a brand new cast that we, we didn't know existed.
0: And what's different about Wrinklefoot? Well, Wrinkle Foot's,
2: uh first and foremost, of all my dad's evidence, of all the casts, I have a, a soft spot for Wrinklefoot for some reason. He <laughs> seems to be my favorite of the individual Sasquatch in that area. Uh-huh. Uh, she was named such by Grover prance He named her Wrinklefoot due to some strange scarring or wrinkling patterning that she has on, on the soles of her feet. Uh-huh. Um, which kind of differentiates her from, from everybody else. He believed that she was probably an older female, and he had found what he thought were dermal rigid and even some like you know sweat force in those casts. That is arguable. But we talked to there's some people that don't believe that. But we do know that there's water dry agents at least and I believe it was Chillicutt that found scarring on her feet. But Wrinklefoot has um, very distinct feet. Mm-hmm. She has very wide placed toes uh, that seem to be very long. Her pinky toe is a little offset, and she has kind of a squared-off big toe. She's very distinctive, so you know Wrinklefoot when, when you see her track. And part of what I do now in regards to Bigfoot research is – Trying to figure out who everybody was. And when I say who, I mean the individual Sasquatch in the Blue Mountains during my dad's time. What their relationship was, what their place was, and and when they were around. And uh, we get Wrinklefoot in 1984 at a place called Table Springs, and that's the first things we get of her by my dad. And we get Wrinklefoot again in 1987, and we have Wrinklefoot again in 1988, and then she's gone, um, and we don't see her again. Until I believe at least, and it's something I'm working on right now. 1992. Oh, and we don't have a cast, but we have some visual evidence, uh, some video of some tracks, and some pictures. I believe they are real, and it's something I'm I'm trying to match up right now. But I would put her at four years after. Wow. The last time we thought we had seen her, and okay. we believe at least that you know they travel in family. Mm-hmm. The, the females do. That's what I believe.
0: The video evidence shows that.
2: And so I'm also trying to figure out like where Wrinklefoot's place is yes. in regards to Jill, and if they're like older and younger sister, or if they're mother and daughter, if they're oh, non-related yeah. females that are just both mates. um I would I would like to, you know, someday maybe <laughs> try it. Try and figure that out, which is probably never going to happen. But it is something that occupies but occupies my mind.
0: You get a team together of researchers and and scientists, and someone like Dr. Meldrum who knows footprint better than anybody, and maybe you can figure all that out. And I think it's awesome that you can name the individuals and be able to place them back to where you saw their first print. You know what pr- or what individual belongs to that print. That amazes me. Uh,
2: we know that about my father's evidence. Yeah, wow. for the most part. For the most yeah. part. And a, a lot of the, the tracks are very distinctive anatomically. And mm-hmm. a few of them, like Wrinklefoot and Big Jill as well,
3: yeah. you
2: can recognize them immediately. Um, and, and Big Jill also is very individual because Big Jill has what is called Morton's foot. Mm-hmm. And I believe you heard me talk about this uh, in Pocatello, and uh-huh. I even asked another question from the audience, but uh, Morton's foot is where your second toe and your third toe, both of them, are longer than the big
0: toe.
2: Uh-huh, yep. I'm be confused with, uh, I, think I believe it's Roman's toe or whatever, where it's just uh-huh. the, the second toe is longer, but it's the second and third toe is longer than the big toe. And Jill has this on her left foot only.
0: That's crazy.
2: And so when we find tracks of Big Jill and you see this and it's always in the left foot, Uh and of course it doesn't show up in every step because it depends on the position of the toes and the substrate, you know, and all those conditions that affect the track. But probably every instance of Big Jill tracks, and I think we have three times we've seen Big Jill that we know of for sure, all three times there are tracks that show this Morton's foot. You can see it very and it just so happens where
3: yeah.
2: in the tracks in the deluxe video um that are on the trail. And so we know her immediately when we see her. Yeah, that's who that, you know, and then you know you use her when they're 13 and a half by, you know, five and a half, and yeah, that's her. And we know Wrinklefoot, you know. Yeah. And then aside from that, it gets a little, you know, wishy-washy. We have at that time what we think is big male, who's about 17 and a half inches. And we only have a couple instances of those tracks being recorded. And so we don't really have a big enough basic example, you know, of that individual's track to really say, yeah, this is, you know, the same individual. We see it repeated. But we do with Wrinklefoot and we do with Big Jill. And also with Big Jill, you know, she left the tracks at Mill Creek Road in 1991, the seven mile way. Yeah. Um, she left tracks at D-Ducks. She's the one that's in my father's footage. And she is the one that left track at five points in 1996 that my wow. dad killed Jeff Meldrum to. Um, aside from that, she was also known before my dad ever cast her in 1991 by Wes Summerlin, who had already seen these tracks for years and was familiar with this individual. He had named it Big Jim, uh, not taking into account, you know, possibly a female, but based right. on size, and the database we have of the tracks. And for so many years, we've seen these tracks and they're, they're not changing size at 13 and a half inches. We're kind of, you know, we're as to the conclusion because we don't know for sure. Right. We're drawing the assumption that it's, a email. you know, uh, not that Wes was wrong. He wasn't. They just weren't. Right. Everything was him. You know what I mean? Even in, right. in my dad's footage of d he says, oh, there he goes. Not knowing. And now <laughs> right. we know it's probably a female, but he didn't. Right. Know he was taken. But there are um, probably seven or eight people at least, that have cast Big Jill's tracks.
0: Wow. Tell us about the video, about Big Jill video, and how you were able to enhance it and see more than what most people are seeing on YouTube.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, again, you know, that's the high checks. That's Doug Highcheck. Alex and Blaine Highcheck did a lot of technical work. They used um, forensic editing, and they really brought it to life. They were able to slow it down a lot, zoom it in, clear it up, and bring us, you know, some images that we didn't really see before, mm-hmm. you know, most notably to me, at least is the tree hide section, what we call the tree hide section of my dad's video, where after she walks from right to left in front of the Douglas fir, she seemingly disappears, and then reappears. But now we know that, you know, she's not disappearing, she's hiding behind the curving well. her body. Uh, there's a curved branch projecting from the tree, and she's right. curving her body in the exact line with that branch. To hide herself and you know actually turns her head second time in the video that sequence and something you can see before, and of course, with the enhanced video, we've also got a better image of the infant, the juvenile, maybe whatever you want to call it, you know at the end there that's that's being picked up and you can see the, the articulating legs and the feet and what appears to be the baby climb onto her back is is what it looks like um at least, and what I think now is uh, and image of her pick it up with one hand. yeah, uh, she seems to pick it up with her left arm and her right hand actually swings backward. Another thing that we've recently discovered, um and this was discovered by Cliff Berrickman and uh, an employee of his, was that uh, after that sequence, and she disappears we can now see some moving black pixels in the trees that seem to fall off over the hill into the ravine. There's to be just maybe the crown of of her head Overhead. um it is something that we we for. Uh, due credit to Cliff and his team for finding that
0: you know and i always wondered why she popped out because she was hidden so well why did she show herself but my thought was okay if she had a baby she was trying to protect i bet she popped out to scare him to let him know that she was there
2: yeah i mean and that is one of the things of debate there are people that look at the footage and they say well why would she just show herself when she right. could have went the other direction? Uh-huh. Well, would you abandon your child? No. You mm. know, and that's the question. And she and has a child and that child is hidden back there. Mm-hmm. And she's hiding, hiding, hiding. And my dad's looking at the tracks and he's come to the trail and he gets to a point where he's too close And she comes out and she snaps him that look with the head snap. And that's yes. not a friendly look. That's a you're too close. It's
0: like a warning. Yeah. Yeah. And then
2: she walks off screen and she disappears and he loses her, which is you know, when he turns the camera off and right. he was trying to track her um without being, you know, helped right. by having the videotape. Maybe he should have never done that. That's a criticism. Okay, should have kept the camera on and filmed the ground, whatever.
0: Right. Um,
2: but he was trying to track her, but
0: he, Nobody knows what they do in a situation you know? like that.
2: And she disappears and she hides. I, and I believe full trying to lead him away. That's what I think too. From that child. <laughs> And then we don't see her again until she pops up out of nowhere yeah. to grab that baby and then heads back down. Now, what most people don't realize, and you wouldn't know this unless you've been to the site,
3: uh-huh.
2: when he disappears off camera to the left after the tree hide, about 15 yards, that direction is a ravine that drops off. That's about 12 to 15 feet deep. Sheesh. It drops right off. And that's actually where the spring runs, through D-Doug's Uh Um, and so she had to only go about 15 yards and there's some debate on this too, because we're not sure what direction she went. And honestly, we're never going to know. I mean, that's, that's the truth. Um, there's, there's two possibilities. She could have taken a direct line to the baby Mm -hmm. hiding in the trees or whatever. And my dad, you know, never saw her and until she pops back up. Or she could have dropped off into that ravine and moved down that and come right back up to where that baby is. Because after she grabs the baby, you no, know, now with the movie in Black Pixels that we can see that she does drop into the ravine. Yeah. And so we know that she goes there after the baby. We're just not quite sure how she gets back to the baby. And there's a little debate there because uh, some people doesn't think that if she has enough time to go down the ravine. And it Mm -hmm. must have been a more direct line. I actually, uh, a good friend of mine that lives down there, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mike Casey, Mm -hmm. and he's a a researcher as well. Uh, But he he lives down there in Richland, which is really close to Walla Walla. And I introduced him to Dar Addington and and they became friends and and they've been going up there and some stuff. But he actually went up there and he strapped a GoPro to his head. And he walked the exact same route that she Mm -hmm. walked. He dropped into the ravine uh-huh. Went down the ravine and came back up where we think from the landmarks the baby was and it only took him 4 minutes oh now i'm presuming that you know a sasquatch should have been able <laughs> to do it much quicker oh yeah that. and as a side note the person that was with him that was filming with a video camera from a different location up top actually where my dad would have been standing during the video never heard him make a sound the entire really? time wow it's just the, the, the way, you know, the trees and the ravine and, and nature uh-huh. swallows up noise or whatnot. But I thought that was interesting that he was able to do it that quickly without even being familiar with.
0: So it's entirely like, possible that she did the same thing.
2: So it is entirely possible that she did the same thing. And we do think when my dad turns the camera off to track her before he finds her again, at least a minute, we think the camera's off and I, I think right now the estimate is anywhere between one to five minutes, probably. Uh, so a couple minutes, I think she has more than enough time to do that. Sure. sure. Um, but I will admit, you know, and, and again, no one's ever going to know which right. direction she went and maybe it's not even important, but I do think about these things. It's right.
0: so- Well, I would too. I mean, after I saw that video, I was like, you know, trying to deci- decipher it, but it was quite amazing. And then, I remember just getting chills when I saw that baby climb on her back. I was like, oh, that's why she stepped out.
2: You know, that was my thought. I would have done it
0: if I was a mom trying to protect my kid.
2: It's pretty amazing. And one of the nice things about the new enhanced footage is without even being zoomed in or slowed down, Uh you can see that now. You can see your baby up uh, just at normal speed, um, at normal distance in, in the new footage, you know. And you can in the original master as well. It's just not as clear. And so there's always been some debate on.
0: You're not quite sure
2: what she's. Not yeah. that is actually what was mm-hmm. happening. And I even myself, and I've said this publicly a lot of times um, on every interview I do, I even myself for years, I had the stance of like, I don't think there's a baby in this footage. I don't think that's what's going on. Uh-huh. Um, but you know what? I came around really quickly when the evidence was presented <laughs> to me and it was cleared <laughs> up to show me what was going on. Yeah. Um and you know I wish other people would do the same thing as well when they're presented absolutely. with evidence that they would come around and they would admit, you know, okay, right. I was wrong. I am uh 99% advanced at this point. Oh you know, yeah, absolutely that that's what it is and I challenge people all the time.
0: And I've watched it bad. over and over and over again. Yeah,
2: I challenge people all the time. If you watch it and you don't think it's a baby, fine then what is it tell me what it is right and nobody nobody can tell me what
0: it is. it's not a backpack
2: <laughs> So you know yeah. I, I think the only um the only answer that's been given to that uh, bringing thomas steenberg again i believe something suggested that it could have been like a puppet or something like that <laughs> <A> um, <puppet>. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah
0: but, um
3: that. you know
0: yeah i don't think so but um you know, a really cool thing about the book too, that I wanted to mention is that you've got evidence in there, like tons of track evidence, but you've got the handprints that you talk about in there. You've got the, um, the hair samples that you talk about. Um, is there anything else that you can think of that's in there that would be of importance for people to go in and look? I mean, we see a lot of footprints. We see a lot of video. None of it's very good. Yours is good, but you know, we don't see a lot of the handprint or the hair samples or anything like that.
2: Yeah, well, the handprints are, you know, nice. The handprints are, are super important and we don't see enough handprints. And I believe, and I believe it's in the book as well, that's uh, handprint that it, it was the knuckle print. I got yep. 82, the third handprint that had been found. And um, it was only the second time that a uh, handprint had been found alongside with a company with footprints yeah. you know, on that as well. That knuckle prints, um, the 1986 handprint, which is the, the really big print that kind of has the webbing between the fingers, um, and the 1994 handprint from Biscuit Ridge, had found all show signs of the outward rotated thumb. Right. Uh, that, that doesn't close across the palm, uh, that you know, closes more like the other, the other five digits. We also have examples of this um, from other parts of the country. Uh, Tom Jay in 2016 in Kentucky, the handprint that is eerily similar to the 1994 handprint my dad found at Biscuit Ridge. Um, it oh, also it's sold.
0: definitely not Shaq's handprint because his thumb wouldn't do that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, it's definitely not Shaq's handprint. No, his, his thumb wouldn't do that. Right. Um, and one of the noticeable things on the, the 94 print from Biscuit Ridge is you can see the knuckle at the base of the thumb. Yeah. You, you can see that and that knuckle does not face sideways like ours does on our hand it faces backwards like the other four knuckles do uh and so we can we can really see that you know and you can see the lack of like thickness and muscle structure down at the the base of the bone you know as well on these um uh, the 82 knuckle print has you know a fingernail you know that that you can see in the cast There, there's fingernail
0: is my favorite part.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, but <laughs> that also shows. Show. You know, yeah. Yeah. that also shows the outward rotated thumb. But what we're getting with the handprints is we're getting, you know, the same anatomical features over different decades in different locations. Yeah, um, and and that's, I don't I don't even know what else to say about that. I mean, that's really interesting.
0: It is, but, and it's yeah. we're finding that you know the same thing with the prints that. There's so many different features of them that can't possibly be a human print, and it's never been identified as any other species. And you're getting all that same evidence collected with the handprints as well. And yeah, c-
2: correct. And the handprints, especially, you know, go back to the outward rotated thumb that is aligning with eyewitness accounts as well. Yeah, uh, people that have seen them grasping tree branches or other objects where they're they're giving accounts of all five digits closing in the same. Mm-hmm direction and not having an opposable thumb you know we have right um, but yeah that's great we just got to get the right people look at it and the right, right people to believe in it and we've got a couple of them right now you know right um, and you have dr jeff meldrum and, jeff. and other people but we need more people we do stuff and you know the footprints as well and, and footprints are i think the best evidence personally yeah uh, to me pictures and videos are nice that's great but it's right. not something that you can hold. And you can look at, and you can compare, and you can see the facts on the ground, and you can pass out of the ground, um, and you can look at the dramatic glyphics, and you look at, right. you know, the the toast play, and the mid-tarsal break, mid-tarsal and break, yeah. the dorsiflexion of the toes, and all these things that they were finding in prints before they even knew what they were. Right. You know, and you have Meldrum who's doing papers on the mid parcel break in what, 1999? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of we're finding, you know, acts and casts that have this, you know, in the 70s and 80s.
0: Right. And, and so, all over the world.
2: And all over the world. And, and so these people that believe that all the tracks, all the evidence have been, you know, misidentifications or or their fake folks or, you know, or whatever.
3: Right. Because these folks
2: are so smart that they were predicting the future. They were putting in anatomical features that weren't even discovered yet right? Um, because they just, they knew what was going to be, you know, down the line. And I throw it up when people talk about my dad and I'm like, oh yeah, he was so
3: <laughs> smart,
2: you know, that he knew anatomy so well. And that, you know, this animal was bound to have like this feature due to its, its weight yeah. and its stride you know, that, that its foot would have to have this, uh, you know, that he was predicting the future and not even pointing it out to anyone at the time, right. letting someone else discover it you yeah. know, so many years later, right?
0: Yeah, this, he was able to fake it exactly the same as some guy over in China that did the same thing years <laughs> later. <Yeah>.
2: Exactly, right, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, so I think it's kind of silly, you know, that's, it's not more, I, I guess, you know, respected and, you know, not just my dad, but the research is, you know, yeah. in a whole. But I, I'll go back to it again, that I wish as a whole Bigfoot community, the researchers, regardless of what you've heard or what rumor you've heard or who mentored you or, or who didn't like who or whatever, I wish they would just look at the evidence.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Just look at the evidence and, and just throw out like who found the evidence or whatever. Right. Just look at the evidence and then judge for yourself. Like, based on that, I think a, a lot of eyes would open, you know, and that's something that, I was really trying to do with the book was you know make it an evidence catalog and kind of a you know Greg Roberts um, has recently uh, called it a museum. He referred to my book as a Bigfoot museum. You know, uh, which yeah, it is.
0: Me. It really it is one of the
2: best compliments I've gotten. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, I really wanted to just present the evidence, not keep it from anyone. There's no reason to hide it. My well, well,
0: how are we all gonna you know? get together as a community and actually discover what this is if we don't get right. yeah, together right. and share our evidence?
2: And I want people
0: more people to need to evidence. stop worrying about the stories and collecting a photo and actually go out and do casting and fine hair samples
2: yeah. and other stuff. And yeah. you know, one of the things I did in the book that I thought was important was number one, I did give all the evidence. I gave all the pictures, mm-hmm. I gave the location. Yep. Um, I gave my dad's map. I gave the key to decipher every symbol on my dad's map that was in there. I told everybody what it was. I gave field notes with maps and locations um, and dates. And um, I think it's important because I want someone to go to go find it. I want Jonathan Summerlin or Mike Casey, Perfect. one of these guys that are down in Walla Walla. I want them to go find one because if somebody finds one, it's going to validate everybody.
0: Absolutely. You know,
2: and if somebody finds one based off of my dad's research and his tracking data on that map or, you know, anything else like that, well, that's even better. So let's go do it. Like, I I, I don't want to sit on it and keep it a secret. I'm not going to keep secret locations (laughs) and and all that stuff. I will tell you where it was found, when it was found. You know, I'll take you there. (laughs) If yeah. that's what, that's what you, you want, you know, I'll tell you the, the anatomical features of, of these tracks. I'll tell you that uh, Morton's foot on Big Jill is genetic and it's inherited. Right. That's and we know from the video, or at least we think we know, that she has a child, unless she's an, she's an, you know, an aunt or something like okay.
3: that. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, right, right. But it, there is a distinct possibility that her children or her children's children could have the same toe feet. And one of these days in the blues, someone's going to find tracks that show that. Yeah, I hope they do.
0: Actually. I hope they do too. And and
2: we know that that's a descendant of this particular individual.
0: Absolutely. So uh, tell people where they can find your book or your your book museum.
2: <laughs> my my book slash museum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I appreciate the compliments. It, it has not all been positive.
0: Really. Oh.
2: So, wow. uh,
0: it's the bigfoot community you can't expect yeah,
2: it yeah you know it's you know it's the bigfoot community. and, and I knew it wouldn't all be positive and I knew who would <laughs> not be positive I already sure. knew that, you know sure. and and I in that regard I was not disappointed yeah. right because right. the people that I knew wouldn't be positive were not were not right. positive at least publicly
3: yeah
2: um but you know you can find my book any place really that that sells books uh most you know, the, the easiest access at the moment is Amazon, mm-hmm. um, and it's on sale there. At Barnes & Noble Online, they carry it. Uh, Hanger One Publishing carries it. I've seen it on eBay recently, uh, so you can pick a copy up there. The North American Bigfoot Center in Boring, Oregon uh, has it. I believe uh, the Bigfoot Gift Shop and Museum in Forks, Washington carries it. Oh, um, you know, or I, I mean... You, got desperate you could contact me i, suppose, I mean <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I, uh, could, I could get it, you one
0: it is quite easy to find it's the freeman bigfoot files and uh it's got your dad's picture right on the front of it so it's, it's got right my right.
2: dad's picture on the front he's next to bob titmus
0: uh-huh.
2: and a gentleman by the name of ted butters who
0: is he the guy in the office
2: yeah bless okay. his soul uh in 1982 that gentleman Ted butters i don't know where he's up to or what he's doing now or but he had no idea, I bet, who he was next to. Right. Uh, he was next to Giants, uh, literally, exactly. um, in the in the field when that picture was taken. Right. But we had to include him because the picture was so cool.
0: Sure, it is a cool picture. They're looking at the casts,
2: and yeah, uh, and it's you know we we chose that for the cover because it's just we saw this picture. And they they do, they just look cool. They they all look like James Dean or something. <laughs> I, like, I want to be there with those guys right so now. I. Like, so I. You know, like it just like yeah, and it's it's kind of the reason, you know, why we chose it. And you know, Bob Titmus and my father didn't see eye to eye on everything. Uh that's well known, but um, you know, they they
0: they at least got together. Know,
2: did some research. Uh, a lot of time, actually, I believe yeah, yeah. He, it mis- was five times. I believe he came to the Blue Mountains to yeah. look at evidence with my dad and and do some experience
0: Yeah, I really appreciate you being on with us tonight. It was a pleasure and an honor speaking with you, and I hope we get to see you in Pocatello. If you enjoy our show, please like, subscribe, and leave a five star review. For more information visit www.destination-mystery.com. Find your own destination.
1: And solve the mystery.